Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back. We've got a fun show for you today. We are talking about the National Association of Realtors member profile. Julie and I picked out what we feel are the 10 most interesting points from the member profile. And I think point number seven, maybe even point number eight, will really surprise you. So Julie, we have a lot to go through. Let's just jump right in. Yes, this is about all of you listening and the agents that you deal with day to day. I think I had a few little mini surprises, but let's go through these relatively quickly. First of all, the typical realtor had 11 years of experience. That's actually up from eight from last year. I I think that that's probably surprising to some of you because, you know, there are a lot of new licensees and some of you deal with each other all the time, but 11 years of experience is the average. Now we're going to just remember as we go through these points, Julie and I are going to do our best to sort of decipher, I think in a lot of ways, uh, some of this information, because when it gets to, for example, they're going to, we're going to talk about average income for the average agent and all the rest of it, but they don't, they, it's confusing to be honest with you. I can't really understand and maybe somebody uh, who is more knowledgeable about this stuff can put in comments. NAR will often say things like the family income or the household income of the average agent, but I'm not so sure. I mean, does that mean like, for example, there's a guy and his wife is a brain surgeon and she makes like $14 million a year right. and he makes like $4 a year selling real estate, you know? And so obviously that's going to affect the average agent's income. Again, I'm not sure if uh, I'm reading the question correctly, but let's just get right to it. Yes, that's right. We'll translate as best we can with the uh, information we've got. So next is interesting because with the market shift, a lot of people like to say, oh, everybody's going to get out of the business. And yet, of realtors were very certain that they will remain active as a real estate professional for at least the next two years. Now, Julie and I predicted that when the COVID hit and all the rest of it, that there would be no major drop-off in the number of members of a National Association of Realtors. And those of you who have been attached to us for a long period of time, you will remember us telling you why, and I'll, for the rest of you, tell you why now. Because in previous, uh, you know, fortunately, there wasn't a slowdown following COVID, but in previous slowdowns or recessions or all kinds of other, you know, th- uh, things like that in the economy, there haven't been a de- hasn't been a decrease in the number of agents, but an increase. And so Julie and I went back as far as we could find from National Association of Realtors looking at the number of members. And it was very clear that what we theorized was correct just simply by looking at the numbers of agents joining during, during economic slowdowns. So why do people get real estate licenses during slowdowns? Side hustle. <laughs> That's true. They need to make more money. Or maybe, um, you know, if you go back to the 60s and 70s, there were a lot of ladies that were looking to uh, get into real estate that maybe hadn't had uh, out of the home employment before and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Retired people. De- but really, the real reason why Julie and I knew there wasn't going to be a precipitous drop in the n- number of uh, you know members of the National Association of Realtors was demographics. And demographics ultimately is going to run the show for the real estate industry for the rest of our lives and beyond. 
the number of humans in the United States that want and need to uh, buy or sell real estate is only increasing. And it didn't make sense to us that uh, just because there would have been hypothetically because of COVID some kind of slowdown, which as all of you know, there was not. Right, the opposite actually. Exactly. And just uh, flash forward to today, we now see that again, Julie and I's theory was correct. And you notice all the other naysayers that were uh, predicting doom and gloom about the number of agents dropping to like, you know, 2014 levels or whatever. They were all wrong. And the total number of agents did decrease, but I think it was it was by basically nothing. And now here's another prediction. <laughs> Wait for it. We are expecting the number of people getting real estate licenses will start to increase over the next 12 months um, following, I think, what was a lot of people deciding to, you know, should I get a license? Shouldn't I get a license? And here's how I know that's true. The number of emails and the number of texts I get from people who are getting real estate licenses who want to join Julie and I at EXP Realty mm -hmm. is through the roof. Absolutely. And I would also concur for my own private elite coaching clients Many of them have gotten their adult children licensed, their transaction coordinator licensed, their assistant licensed. You know, there's a lot of things that happen um, with a change and doing more volume that just, you know, people want to have their family work in the business. There's lots of that going on. Real about 6%, by the way, I did read that about 6% of current licensees uh, got licensed as a result of doing something during COVID, you know, supplementing their other job, for example. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean... I, there also was a baby boom, you know, <laughs> exactly. so between studying yep. for the real estate test and, you know, the other thing, I guess, yep. there you go. Oh, and I'm sure a lot of those babies eventually will get licenses too. You see? I mean, Zoe's already wanting to get a license. Right? I know. I'm well, it. so as far as those of you who are looking to upgrade your brokerage experience, a reminder, Julie and I are proudly associated with eXp Realty. So if you're looking to join eXp Realty and you're looking for a sponsor, they'll be very proactive in your success at eXp. There are two paths forward for you. Number one is you could just text me directly and this is if you're ready to land the plane and join EXP and you're ready to choose your sponsor, text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206, text, don't call. The other thing you can do also is if you're filling out the application, just put Julie Harris, Georgetown, Texas as your sponsor. Now, if you want to learn more about why so many agents are joining with Julie and I in our group at EXP Realty, by the way, our EXP Realty group, listen to this, guys, our EXP Realty group so far this year has done $3 billion 300 million in real estate transactions on over 11,000 transactions, if I remember correctly, That's awesome. most of which are on the seller side. So if you want to talk about an incredible success during what uh, should be a slower year for virtually everyone, our EXP Realty Group is actually increasing by significant margins in units and in total dollar volume. So yes, we'd love to have you as part of our overall group. And if you're ready to join EXP Realty, here are your two paths. One, you can just uh, frankly scroll down and click the link and go over uh, that's in the show description below and read more about our EXP Realty Group. Or you can just text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the market that is going to start happening, uh, in, I, we're going to guess the next 6 to 12 months, it's going to feel very much more like a real estate, uh, frankly, recovery, if not a surge. You definitely want to be with a broker that's going to have your back and definitely want to be with a team that you know is experienced to make it so you can help the most people and maximize your potential in real estate. And please do consider Julie and I for the job of being your eXp Realty sponsors. All right, next surprising point. Well, next, uh, in last year, based on the NAR report, the typical agent had 12 transactions, which was the same as the previous year. Now, what was the sales volume? Well, the median sales volume for brokerage specialists increase, increased 
to 3.4 million from 2.6 million. So things are looking up there as well. Now they always do a survey about uh, how agents perceive what's going on with their prospects, right? But let's go back to that point, sure. okay? So again, this always goes back to the interesting things when you dig into the numbers. Mm -hmm. So if the average agent, and we are talking about 12 transactions, right? I'm looking yep. at your notes. So 12 transactions and the average home in the United States is $400,000. So if you did, for example, I mean, if it's you guys, whatever your market commission is, but let's just call it $10,000, $10,000 times 12 transactions is $120,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And you wonder why real estate's such an amazing business to be in. <laughs> I mean, exactly. come on, Do it's the incredible. Math, right? Because you're during inflationary times, uh, yes, everything is getting more expensive, but so is real estate, which means your average commission is also increasing. Look how smart you were to be in real estate where most everyone else is suffering uh, from inflation and the cost of living and all the rest of it. You actually have a built-in uh, pay increase year after year as things start to inflate even more so in real estate. So there you go. Go you. All well, right. Exactly. And related to that, 17% uh, of agents sold 10 million more in volume, 4%, 15 million or more, and 5%, 20 million or more. Some of that you can chalk up to higher average sale prices. But again, go you because it's baked in that you're going to make more money doing more deals at a higher price, right? Yep. Okay. So let's look at the next one. All right. So at 32%, lack of inventory remains the most important factor limiting potential clients from making a purchase, followed by housing affordability and difficulty finding the right property. I think difficulty finding the right property is the same as lack of inventory. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's something that we hear every day. And that's why we have podcasts about how to find inventory. Well, I mean, that is what Julie and I, again, have been saying on the show and coaching all of our agents to understand is that we don't, believe it or not, have an interest rate uh, challenge. I know for first-time buyers, that's not necessarily true. We have an inventory problem. And I think all of you will agree that if there were, you know, 100 more houses for sale right now in your MLS, they would all sell by, you know, the next two or three days instantaneously, basically. Well, so that's an inventory problem, not an interest rate problem. Um, now, again, first-time buyers, there is going to be a lot of challenges with first-time buyers. I'm happy to see, frankly, that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac is talking again about being very aggressive with helping first-time buyers purchase mm -hmm. homes. But the sad fact is, is there are, unless you're, uh, as a first-time buyer, unless you're really going to be focused and drilled down and making that a priority in your life, things are going to continue to get more expensive. We don't expect there to be a significant drop in interest rates. We do expect interest rates to settle down into a very consistent, probably in the fives range, maybe mm -hmm. the low sixes, but most likely in the fives range. But remember, and we've taught you guys how to do this on the podcast, you can buy down interest rates, you can get the payment less, you can do all these creative things. Uh, so yeah, make sure if you're a first-time buyer or working with first-time buyers, they understand uh, that in the future, real estate is going to get more expensive. Their rental prices are just going to get more expensive. Julie and I listen to a lot of podcasts on this very topic, obviously, to keep ourselves frosty for all of you. And everyone is predicting what I just said to be uh, to actually ha be happening. So yeah, I mean, real estate, you think it's expensive now? Wait two years. It's going to be really expensive. And if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to wait out rates to go lower, prices to fall, you are never probably going to be buying a home. Well, that's true. And also don't make the assumption that all first-time buyers are struggling and can't make the payment. You know, when I listen to Housing Wire, one of the points that uh, Logan makes is uh, in the mortgage world, there's a nickname called the DICE. That's called Double Income College Educated People. So they actually do have really great incomes, really great credit, 
decent down payment, and they're not breaking up with a low interest rate mortgage. They're going to have to make sacrifices so. on other lifestyle things in order to That's buy right. a house. I mean, we did when we got married and we had yeah. bought our first house. Well, and there's other things too, like some of the builders are combining the builder subsidized loan with an FHA loan right. and, you know, having a pretty decent, um, you know, program there. So you just have to know about that. That's why we talk about new construction a lot. Th- this next point I think is a straight up lie, but it's worth repeating. <laughs> it's worth reading because <laughs> I, I think it gets funny. Julie and I could both laugh when we found this one. Go ahead. Yeah, the the average realtor worked 30 hours per week last year, down slightly from the previous year. Now, let's just be uh-huh. honest. Let's just be honest. I guess that all depends what your definition of work is. And if, you, if you're counting part-time or full-time, I suppose. Right. But, you know, of the clients that we run across and our members of our coaching programs, we know that you guys are working hard. Sometimes you have 30 hours and just, you know, doing a buyer deal. But you can work to get more and more efficient. So I, I think that that merits a lot more definition of 30 hours per week. Well, so. but so you, you're pulling in the opposite direction. What mm-hmm. I was insinuating was the average agent doesn't work 30 hours a yeah. week. Yeah, many they, weeks. Right. Yeah. They, they do what we would call work theater. Well, that's true. Yeah. So if you actually are defining work as uh, essentially pro uh, proactive, direct conversations with folks about buying or selling real estate, if you, uh, True. Would, you know, what are the things that get you paid in real estate? Proactive lead generation, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, and closing. Effectively, right? And very good lead follow-up. So if those are the things that actually get you paid, if those are the things that earn you the money, put you in a position to help people, and then we can assume that all these other things are, are, are there to support those main activities. Well, the problem is, is that most of you don't do those main activities really at all. And so if you were to say, well, I'm working and I would ask what you did and you said I was putting up a picture of my lunch on Instagram, I would probably not yeah. agree with you that you were just working, even though the industry has lulled all of you into complacency and into believing that you can just be passive with your, frankly, your approaches to your business. And that's absolutely not true. That's the reason yeah. I said. Yeah, it, it gets down to the definition of work. Exactly. <laughs> that was my point. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hopefully well some of you are laughing because that was the point. Uh, yes, yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's see. The typical realtor earned 27% of their business from repeat clients and customers and 24% through referrals from past clients and customers. I have a drill down on that later. So well, we're gonna... I want to talk about that now because in my opinion, that's the most important okay, point. Okay. Hang on a second. All right. So here's what Julie and I, uh, this is what I found to be, I think, illuminating, exciting, uh, and validating. And here it is. So Julie just told you, we're going to read that statistic again, right? So the statistic, we're, we're reading our notes. 20%. 27% of their business came from repeat clients and customers and 24% through referrals of uh, past clients and customers. Okay. So I assume that you combine these two numbers and you're saying basically that uh, essentially the average agent earned effectively 50% all their business from yep. repeat and referral and past clients. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now here's what's fascinating. The amount and I'll just summarize this and Julie will give you the facts. The percent of business that comes from repeat and referral goes through the roof. This shouldn't surprise anyone, but this should give you a clear path forward. It goes through the roof the longer you're in the real estate business. And it doesn't take that long. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. So past client referral business. Okay. So here's the fact. 16% of business comes from past client referrals uh, to agents five years or less in the business. Now, if you're two years or less, it was virtually nothing because guess what? You don't have that many past clients yet. So the faster you build your business and the better you are at communicating, look at this, 30% of closed sales were past client referrals for agents 16 years or more in the business. Now, look at the repeat business. See, that was referral. We're going to do repeat. Agents licensed five years or less only get 9% repeat. 16 years or less get 43%. I'm sorry, 16 years or more get 43% repeat business. So you skip the Midland facts that were from that report, but the gist of it was is that the longer you're in the business, the more 
Our business comes from repeat and referral. Yes. Now, why am I pointing that out? Because that and another fact we're about to share with you, it should give you a very clear path forward. And if you can find those other stats, I, know, I don't know if you have them in your notes, yeah. but the gist of it was like, which we just said, if you can just visualize this, if, you, if you're in the business, you don't have any repeat and referral. I mean, that's right. just not a lot of it anyway. You might have some friends and family that are going to support you in your new venture, but for the most part, that's the way it works. But after 24 months, you're, the repeat and referral, if I remember correctly, again, I we should have had these notes is somewhere between like 10 and 15%. And then after 36 months into five years in the business, then it just skyrockets. So what you'll discover is what we coach all of you to do is the first spoke you should always build on your lead generation wheel is your centers of influence and past clients spoke. And the most effective way to stay in front of those guys is not digital because everybody does that. It's to make phone calls. And the other thing that's really great about making phone calls is it costs no money. We teach you what to say. We tell you how to say it. We help you schedule it. We help you uh, with your frequency. Those direct contacts to your centers of influence and past clients, even if you're new, they'll just be centers of influence. That is going to be the most important and really truly the only asset of your real estate business. Real estate businesses do not sell. The asset that you build, I just said it, I'll say it again, is your database, is your centers of influence and past client uh, list. We have had coaching clients who have retired and what they've done is they still work their centers of influence and past client list and they referred those leads that they were generating off to agents that obviously are still active in the business. That is your asset in your business. Be very clear about that. Now, the next statistic, and I want to skip right to it, the age one, okay? I know it's out of order. Uh, yeah. The I average agent, it. I remember it. I mean. Oh, I think it's over here. Yeah. Uh, okay, now right here's there. here's the next statistic. And I want Julie to read this, and then we're, I'm going to combine the importance of these, which um, that information I just shared was important. And also this next one. Again, I'm going to also sprinkle this on before you read this next one. Mm-hmm. This flies in the face of the marketing and advertising and social media and all the rest of it. This absolutely positively should show all of you the truth of where business comes from through over time. Centers of influence and past clients. Yes, Julie and I are huge advocates of proactive lead generation. Yes, we want you to know how to uh, do marketing and advertising. But the first and most important spoke is always your uh, centers of influence and past client. And then we want you to choose a, a, a lead source that you self-generate because guess what? Then you'll have more centers of influence and past clients. But read this next point. Okay. The typical realtor was a 60-year-old white female who attended college and was a homeowner. 62% of all realtors are female, down a little bit from 66%. Uh, and then it talks into about previous careers. So that's a little bit interesting. But I think the 60-year-old white female as your average agent was interesting. Yes. Well, so why is that? So combine these two facts, all right? Now, I want you to open your minds. What are the two biggest demographics that are going to be, that are in the market right now? They are baby boomers, who that's your 60-year-old white female agent, and then there's the millennials, who are probably, in a lot of cases, their kids, right? Probably. I mean, yeah. so you're looking at those two, those two big surges, but where is the most lucrative market right now? Don't say millennials because it's not true. It is the, uh, re- the baby boomers. The baby boomers yes. and arguably Generation X. Now, why is all this important? I'm going to actually do a little comparing and contrasting, and please do your best uh, to get this clear, and I'll do my best to explain it. If you look at the average demographic of YouTube, the average demographic of YouTube is uh, like a white guy in his uh, mostly male who are in their like er early to mid-20s, right? So if you actually look at the demographic of people that are consuming information on a lot of these social media platforms, like on TikTok, 
I, I think it's like a three-year-old who, you know, I mean, it's, it's very, very, it's very, very young. young. Right. So when people are telling you, oh, you got to do social media, you got to build your brand and marketing, you got to do all the rest of it. You've got to stop and you've got to ask yourself, does it make any sense? Oh, the guru said, the guru promises me that all the leads are going to rain from the stars if I all of a sudden have this big, powerful YouTube channel. Well, I want you to ask yourself if that freaking makes sense because it does not. If you look at the fact that the average person watching YouTube videos is watching for an average of a matter of seconds and their age and their likelihood of buying real estate, and then you actually start looking at some of the other platforms, Facebook's user profile was older and things like that. But you really need to question the sanity of investing any kind of your best, any level of your best energies every day on that sort of passive social media branding stuff. Why does everyone talk about it? Because people love to talk about the novel. People love the shiny object. People love to talk about all this stuff. But what Julie and I, since we've been in the business forever, have seen, and please remember I'm telling you this, is these big fads, mostly around marketing and advertising and buying business, they come and go, they ebb and flow depending on uh, the real estate cycle. So when money is flowing, everyone's talking about marketing, branding, and advertising. And when the money stops flowing or the market gets tougher, then it becomes a skills-based market. Then it becomes about proactive lead generation. We are in that cycle right now. So please do not be lulled into complacency thinking you can buy your business because the simple fact is, is the stats prove out that you have to earn your business over time. And if you're clear about that, then you need to say, what are my next steps, Tim? It's very clear. You need to learn how to be a proactive lead generator. You need to really drill down and focus on your skill set. From that, you will have a career of success. And I'll, this is also worth mentioning, too. Um, it doesn't directly tie in. I heard this the other day. Hmm. But I, Larry Summers actually said it. I, it really stuck with me. You know, he's talking, it was, this is maybe slightly political, but still I think it's a valid thing to consider that uh, people think that a, uh, that success comes from a, uh, from your, your perception of yourself, your self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. Self-esteem leads to success. Okay. In other words, you have, and this is similar to the branding leads to success concept, right? Mm -hmm. But why do a lot of people, especially younger people, why are they lulled into complacency and thinking that branding is going to be the most important thing? It all goes, it's all part and parcel of the same stew. Mm -hmm. So you're, all of us, most of us in the last 20 years, we're led to believe that you have to have a strong self-esteem and it manifests in many different ways. You know, what's your big why? What's your this? What's your other thing? And then you'll be successful. Nobody tells you what is the truth that in order to be, that if you want a strong self-esteem, a strong sense of self, and if you want to be essentially be somebody of significance uh, and be successful, you know, you have to be successful first from helping people, from doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. And all of those other wonderful feelings uh, will arrive as a result of you doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. Thinking that having a self-esteem leads to a strong self-esteem leads to success is the exact opposite. Success leads to a strong sense of self. Yeah, that's well put. And in fact, I think if you do it the wrong way around, it actually can lead to a strong sense of insecurity. But isn't that really what marketing and branding really circulates around? Yeah. Like you have, and a lot of people are, I think, subconsciously sold into believing that you need to convince the marketplace that you're all of this. You're this sort of, you know, uh, mirror of yourself. You're this, you know, here yeah. you are leaning on a Lamborghini and you're this and you're doing a funny dance on TikTok and you're, you know, doing all these things. You're trying to prove to the world that you're successful 
And then you're thinking that the world's going to be believing that you're successful and it's going to be a path to your door. That's not really how it works for a majority of virtually all humans when it comes to actually making a decision of who they're going to buy and sell real estate with. Go back to the demographics. So younger people are attracted to that stuff, but the older people who are a majority of the market are not. And so you're going to be really clear where you put your best energies. Well, that's true. And I have to say from the coaches and from my own coaching clients, a lot of the transactions right now are downsizing baby boomers, empty nesters, people of that nature. And why is that so important? Well, you go where the market's willing, you take what the market's willing to give you, which is that. But because their house is paid off, they're not breaking up with a low interest rate. They're paying all cash for whatever they are uh, buying. So that's a nice transaction. They're very competitive. Um, you know, they're motivated to have a smaller house. These are really good experienced home buyers and sellers. Loan officers hate these buyers because the fact that they're not making well, their cash for one they're, thing, <laughs> their cash, so they're putting 50% <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah. And so the loan amounts, uh, you know, small. And so they're not making a lot of commissions on the loans, right? That's right. And do you think that that client is finding their next home on TikTok or their next agent on TikTok? That's no, the point I'm trying to make to you guys. And if you want to know how to find those buyers that are actually the buying buyers, you know, <laughs> the ones doing the buying. Uh, it's called being a listing agent, and then they will be at a path to your door. And that is the primary focus of our coaching business, and it always has been. We're firehosing you with a lot of information because, frankly, this yeah. uh, NAR report, should you should see it, again, as a validation of the path that many of you are on as coaching clients and certainly podcast listeners. Well, that's right. Uh, I thought it was interesting that 65% of all agents closed a total number of zero business from third-party lead generation. Now, I didn't read that. That is... Unbelievable. 65%. Where Was that from the NAR report? Yeah. Holy crap. So 65%. And that's of all agents, all licensees. Right. So you're, that is even, even, that's even probably more important than the point I just read. You should <laughs> right? have told me about that one. I didn't it's read that. Circled there. Yeah. You did circle and put 10 stars by it and gave me the stink eye the I'm whole time saying. I was on my rant. 65% of all agents closed zero business from third party lead generation. Isn't that interesting? So uh, also, this is in my section of facting, of debunking things that are kind of floating around. Did you know that uh, 94% of licensees did zero foreclosure transactions last year? 94%, not a single foreclosure transaction. And short sales, even more dramatic. 98% of licensees did zero short sales last year. Um, and again, we drill down on this on the show frequently. We are warning you guys that all of the charlatans come out of the woodwork uh, and they're all trying to convince you that there's going to be some sort of real estate value crash and it's going to be you know blood on the streets and it's going to be worse than 2007, 2008. They are all 100% wrong. Some of them listen to this podcast and try to snipe at us and we snipe back with facts. And the nice thing about a fact is that, you know, unless you're delusional, you, there's, you know, and you still uh, refute the fact or ignore the fact, then that puts you in the category of charlatan. So don't be a charlatan. And if you are believing that the market's going to crash and there's going to be, uh, you know, a huge pandemic of uh, real estate, I think, depravity, it's time, it's time for you to move past that. And if it was going to happen, it already would have happened. But what happened was the exact opposite. We are starting to build another massive, unprecedented, historic surge in housing demand. Again, demographics are your friends if you're in the real estate business. That's going to be like nothing like we've ever experienced before. And there's nothing that's going to stop it. No interest rate thing, no anything is going to stop the number of people in America that want to buy a home. And buying a home is the American dream. As a matter of fact, it was, I was reading, actually, I was listening to uh, 
um, RFK Jr. talk mm-hmm. yesterday about the fact that it was, I forget, it was Thomas Jefferson maybe, that was talking about owning a little bit of America in the form of a home is essentially what draws all of us together because we're all we're all part of this. It's kind of like eXp Realty. Mm-hmm. The agents of eXp Realty are actually the owners of eXp Realty because they all own part of eXp Realty. And I think that makes sense because if you're just a tenant, or using a service or, you know, like it's an Airbnb or a VRBO, you don't have an attachment to that. And if you're in America and you don't own a home, if you're not actually a homeowner, if you don't own your little, you know, third acre of America, then you aren't as attached to it. And everyone wants to move to the United States. Everyone in the world is wanting, is there another, is there another country where there's a lines of people trying to get in? Not that I know of. Nope. Uh, and that's going to be even more true into the future. And that is going to result in a ridiculous increase in the number of, uh, obviously, people wanting to buy and sell real estate. Then you combine that with the baby boomers, with the Generation X, with the millennials, with the Generation Z. You're in the right place at the right time. you got to make the right efforts to make the most of this incredible market that is really starting to boil up. Absolutely. So I think that the summary of all these facts is very positive. Okay. I mean, think of what we talked about. Agents are making more money, not less. Nobody is bailing out of the business. People are breaking down the door to get into the real estate business. We are not full of short sales and foreclosures. The average uh, sale price, which means your average commission, is going up, not down. We have a lot of demographic surge for people who have not yet purchased, and we have people who have all cash cashing out of their houses and transacting. It's all good. But the thing that I, I think that uh, they should take away from this is, is really what you were talking about is when 65% of business of agents say that they did zero transactions by paying for a lead, you know, you really have to recalibrate what you're doing. Where's your business coming from? And if you look at the, you know, the waterfall of business that comes from centers of influence and past clients. And and again, you look at all, you put all these numbers together. It just reinforces uh, this, honestly, that NAR report feels like a big pat on the back for you and I. I think so. Well, (laughs) yes. And all Um, of our podcast listeners, really. But we do like to go facting now and then so that you all listening know that we're not just pontificating. We're not speculating. We're not just posting some random thing on social media saying, here's what we believe. It's because our beliefs are based on facts and trends not just things like the NAR report, but I, you know, I think that they do a really great drill down. I, I went through 27 pages of graphs and charts and facting, but also from our own experiences with our coaching clients, with our coaches, reports from the boots on the ground, the agents actually doing the transactions. Like you're the stat from our EXP group. That's amazing. How many billion? 300 billion, 300 million? 3 billion, 300 million. Yeah, you got, that, you did it I did it the opposite. Yeah, a, yeah. a lot of transactions for a lot of money. Okay. That should encourage you. And also, you know, if you're just getting into the business and you're wondering, how's this going to go for you? Remember the average agent is doing at least a deal a month and making, you know, 80 to 120 grand a year, depending on how they're set up minimum that, you know, that's after only a few years in the business. And some of them I know from our coaching clients, out of the gates, you can make more than that. Well, the agents with the unfair advantage are the ones that have the skills. In other words, they're true. the ones that have the decoder ring on how to get the deal together. That's true. They're the ones that know that there's different forms of mortgages. They know how to find inventory of homes for sale that are not in the MLS. They know how to have conversations where 
they're going to frankly be able to coach uh, their their clients into understanding the importance of buying now opposed to buying in the future. I mean, it goes for sellers too who are on the fence about listing their homes. I can't find a house for sale. Well, Mr. Seller, if you were to be able to find a home for sale that met all your needs, in other words, this is the house you would be wanting to purchase on a scale of one to 10, where would you rate your motivation to purchase that house? Well, I'd probably be a number seven. Number seven, congratulations. What would it take to get to another 10? And then you're going to discover what the other obstacles are from the morning to put the house for sale, overcome those obstacles, skills, guys, get it. Then they're going to put the house for sale and you're going to get the listing. Whereas what are most of you doing right now? You're just passively hoping that the business comes your way. It's not going to. And the only reason it felt like it was if you were selling during the boom it before is because of the FOMO. The fear of missing out was a real thing. Interest rates were causing everyone to act in many ways, uh, you know, maybe irrationally in some in some cases. But you know what? Chickens have come home to the roost and now we're back back to a normal stable market. People that are buying and selling real estate are doing it for traditional reasons because they need to buy or sell real estate. The speculation is largely out of the market. The home flippers are largely out of the market. Mm -hmm. So now you're more than ever, it's a skills-based market. It's about what you know combined with who you know. And then all of a sudden you're going to be somebody worth knowing. That's right. And, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, I, I've been thinking as we've been talking about one of my youngest coaching clients who is in his 20s, lives in Seattle. He said something interesting. He said, you know, I've been thinking about this social media thing. What's his name? Gunner. Gunner. In Seattle. In okay, Seattle. So shout out to Gunner. He said, I just cannot imagine how doing a whole bunch of social media is going to create a whole bunch of real estate business. Well, it's because it doesn't, Gunner. Uh, right. And he, he said, you know, when I talk to people, and, and most of his clients are around his age. They don't have kids yet. They're, you know, getting married. They're just out of college. You know, they're first-time buyers. He has more business from doing open houses, doing face-to-face -face contact, and talking directly with his center of influence. Because even if you're, in, you know, you're new to real estate, you're on the younger end of the spectrum, you still have people in your center of influence who you can be talking to. There's no TikTok video that is going to educate a first-time buyer on how to get a good mortgage. But that's that's the whole point, right? So if you're yes. willing to do the real work of real estate and you're willing to have direct conversations with people and all of your competitors, because that is what they are, are not doing that work and they're hiding behind their keyboard and they're doing all the social media marketing, advertising, branding stuff, you have the unfair advantage because you're actually talking to the very customers that they're trying to lure in with all their you know fancy marketing. You guys get it? And you're providing value. And you're there to get the sale. And we also know this was probably in this report as well. Actually, it's the report that NAR does when they're uh, surveying people that recently closed on a transaction that most people use the first agent they talk to, especially when working on the buy side. Talk to, not you know, exchange right. messages with or liked on Facebook. Had a communication, have conversation. So if you want to have an unfair advantage in this marketplace, which all of you should want to have, that's the real way to do it is get in front of people, have conversations. Oh, and by the way, this has always been true. This is not new. It might be new to you, but it is not new in ultimately in life. In life. Yeah, <laughs> there you right. go. All right, guys. So hopefully you enjoyed today's show. We enjoyed putting it together. In the meantime, thank you for keeping this number one lesson to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. And we certainly appreciate all of your support. And uh, yeah, here, you want a great reading assignment? If you really want to fast forward your business, remember our book, Harris Rules, continues to be one of the best-selling real estate success books of all time. It's available at Barnes & Noble. It's available everywhere. Uh, of course, you can also buy it on Amazon. And yes, it is available on Audible. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.